I always enjoy bringing you the latest. This is The Scoop. It's The Scoop with Darren Dookie Wolfson from 5 Eyewitness News. And away we go. Sunday is my fun day. It's especially fun when I get to record a new Scoop podcast. This, on this Sunday morning, the 2nd of May, the year is 2021, is Scoop Podcast episode 348. I, like always, will empty out my figurative notebook, a few notes, then transition to interviews. Christian Darasaw, Brad Cornelson, he's the offensive coordinator at Virginia Tech. Josh Sitton, longtime starter for the Green Bay Packers, had a cup of coffee with the Bears and Dolphins as well. Won a Super Bowl in Green Bay. Knows Aaron Rodgers incredibly well. Multi-time Pro Bowler. He is now retired. He helped train Darasaw at Exos in Pensacola. So we picked Sitton's brain on Darasaw. Plus, I had to lob an Aaron Rodgers question or two his way. Then we will wrap up the podcast with Matthew Hurt, former Rochester John Marshall star, former Duke star. Yes, he is not maintaining any college eligibility. He is off to the NBA draft. In fact, he leaves for training in California today. He signed with agent Kevin Bradbury. Kevin represents Trey Jones, Tyus Jones, Daniel Oturu, a bunch of guys, Patrick Beverly. So Matthew Hurt is under Bradbury's leadership. He is all in on the NBA draft, the former McDonald's All-Americans. We will wrap up the podcast with my conversation from the other day with Hurt. In no particular order, let me begin with, you know what, let me begin with the Timberwolves. Harry A. Henry, the point guard from Basconia, is not signing with the Wolves anytime soon. Here's the deal. And I said, I believe it was last podcast, maybe two podcasts ago, that we should have some closure one way or another pretty quick. It's now going to be stretched out. It's always fluid. Negotiations are fluid. It's being stretched out. So with two weeks left in the Wolves season, there's just no reason to sign Henry right this second. When his season with Basconia is done, he is an unrestricted free agent. He's a U.S. citizen. He wants to play in the NBA. So the Wolves will revisit those talks come late spring, early summer. So remember the name. He's very much on the Wolves' radar to sign this offseason, but the Wolves are not signing him now with two weeks left in the season. Small world, by the way. So Henry grew up in West Virginia, right down the road from where Randy Moss grew up and Jason Williams. Mo Wagner, the former Michigan Wolverine, former NBA first-round pick. I bring his name up because he had a really good game for the Orlando Magic last night. He signed with Orlando, like, what was it, seven to ten days ago. Had 24 points in Orlando's win. Orlando winning, not a bad thing. If you're a Wolves fan and looking at those lottery odds, Wagner, 24 points last night. He was actually on the Wolves' radar. So the Wolves with this open roster spot, they've made some phone calls the last month plus, you know, seeing if if there was a potential match. My sense is they did not make Wagner an offer, but they did inquire about adding Mo Wagner, but he ultimately ends up in Orlando. On the Vikings, so they add a kicker, Riley Patterson. University of Memphis, they guarantee him $20,000. That, to me, is the headline from undrafted free agency late on Saturday. He'll come into camp. He'll compete with Greg Joseph, who got some guarantee as well. So Joseph, with his NFL experience, yes, would be the front runner, but don't sleep on Riley Patterson giving him a good battle. 
So the Vikings have their kicker competition. Going back through the weekend, my favorite pick of the weekend, Wyatt Davis. His dad, Alvin Mack, from one of my favorite movies, The Program. But Wyatt Davis, in all likelihood, would have been, if not a first-round pick, an early second-round pick if he had declared after the 2019 season. He trained with Duke Mannyweather, and I'm hoping Duke is an offensive line guru. I'm hoping to track down Duke for a future Scoop podcast, maybe even the next one. But like the feedback from the work he did with Duke from others is Wyatt Davis is going to be 100% a big-time help to the Vikings offensive line. I think he ends up at right guard, and then you can shift Ezra Cleveland to left guard. So the way I look at it right now, the cross the way, it's Christian Derrissaw left tackle, Ezra Cleveland at left guard, Garrett Bradbury at center, Wyatt Davis at right guard. He'll have to win that job. There will be competition, Mason Cole, Dakota Dozier, but I make Davis the favorite. Then at right tackle, Brian O'Neill. Remember, Brian O'Neill entering the final year of his contract. Extension talks will pick up here pretty quick. They were waiting, the Vikings, for the draft to wrap up. So sometime very soon, uh, those talks will pick up. Also on Harrison Smith. Harrison Smith and Brian O'Neill extension talks will pick up pretty darn quickly. Tomorrow is the deadline for the Vikings to decide on Mike Hughes' fifth-year option. We know the Vikings are declining that. They don't need to make any sort of formal announcement that they are declining the fifth-year option. They would make a formal announcement if they were exercising the option, but that deadline will come and go tomorrow with the Vikings not picking up the Mike Hughes fifth-year option. Going back to Thursday night, I have a strong sense if the Vikings had stayed at pick 14, they had Derisaw and Elijah Vera Tucker, the USC offensive lineman. Many project him more inside, not at left tackle. My sense, my understanding from from some correspondence is the Vikings had Derisaw and Vera Tucker neck and neck. Like, I actually think Derisaw, because you know he's a left tackle, the Vikings love those 34-inch arms. My sense is that the Vikings would have taken Derisaw if they had stayed at pick 14. So to move back to 23, to get him at 23, now they tried to move above Indianapolis. They thought for a hot second that Indianapolis at pick 21 was going to pick Derisaw. They didn't want to lose out on Derisaw. But to get Derisaw 23, then to get pick 66 and 86, yeah, they gave up an additional, what, a fourth-round pick. But to get pick 66 and 86, that was an excellent trade. Yes, the Vikings explored moving up. I'm telling you. I am convinced from multiple angles, they are big fans of Justin Fields. It has to hurt them for them to see Justin Fields end up in the division with the Chicago Bears. They did talk to Detroit at pick seven. The cost to move from 14 to seven would have included their 2022 first round pick. Rick Spielman was not interested in giving up next year's number one pick. So yeah, big fans of Fields at TCO Performance Center, but they weren't willing to completely go all in to acquire him. I also know that they had a healthy opinion of Panay Sewell, the offensive lineman from Oregon. He ended up going where? He went to Detroit. He went to Detroit at pick seven. So if they had moved up to seven, would they have gone Fields or Sewell? That, unfortunately, I don't know because I know they really, really liked Panay Sewell. They also liked Rashawn Slater. So if there was a way to move up above the Chargers, like Chargers hired a guy from Northwestern. There were a lot of signs pointing to the Chargers going Slater, going back multiple weeks. So if the Vikings could have moved up, you know, to like say pick 12, jump the Chargers, 
yeah, I think Slater would have been their guy there, but I don't get the sense that Slater was significantly above Derisaw on their board. Yeah, do I think he was a tick above? But I think it was close, Slater and Derisaw. And there are questions. Now, hey, Slater looks like he'll be a really good player, but he doesn't have those 34-inch arms that the Vikings love. That Maybe he's more an interior offensive lineman, not an exterior. But hey, the Vikings, we knew all along, needed interior offensive line help. They get that in Davis. So if there was a chance to get Slater, I think the Vikings would have jumped on that, even if he's more guard than left tackle. But the Vikings get their left tackle. Hopefully for them, their left tackle for the next many, many years in Christian Derisaw from Virginia Tech. Kellen Mond, the quarterback, pick 66. So that just goes back to we knew the Vikings wanted a quarterback, that they were looking at a quarterback very high. The interest in fields was significant. They get Mond, second pick of the third round. I'm hoping to track down Hugh Jackson, the former Browns head coach, longtime assistant in the NFL, one of Mike Zimmer's buddies. He helped train Mond during the pre-draft process. I've been texting with Hugh. I hope to track down Hugh early this week. If I do, I'll give that to you on the next Scoop podcast. But yeah, the Vikings, Clint Kubiak in particular, the new Vikings play caller, new Vikings offensive coordinator, did unbelievable homework on Mond. So they have a very healthy opinion. They do believe Kellen Mond is going to be a good NFL quarterback. So that means it looks like there is finally probably multiple years away, you know, but it doesn't look like the Vikings are going to give Kirk Cousins yet another monster contract. But who knows, right? A lot can happen in two years. Let's see how Mond develops. But I'm just telling you, as, as we look at it right now, the optics of it is that there is an expiration date on Kirk Cousins. On the Twins, their top pitching prospect, Jordan And I still need to figure out how to pronounce his last name, B-A-L-A-Z-O-V-I-C. I I don't want to botch it, so I'm not going to pretend to to know how to say it. He has an oblique injury. It's an oblique tweak. It's not a major injury. I'm told he's almost back to 100%, but the Twins are holding him back. He is rehabbing in Fort Myers. So as you saw over the weekend, the AAA roster announced, double A, high A, low A. You didn't see Jordan's name on any of those rosters. That's because he's still in Fort Myers rehabbing from this oblique injury. No real surprises. I did think Aaron Sabato, last year's first-round pick, would start higher than low A, but I'm told his swing has been off in Fort Myers. I think the swing will get better eventually, but he's not swung the bat well at all in Fort Myers. So the Twins made the determination, you're not ready for high A Cedar Rapids. We'll keep you here in Fort Myers at low A. Cavaco, their first-round pick from a couple years ago. They took him out of high school. There's still a long way to go in his development. No surprise that he starts at low A. I did think Matt Canarino would start at double A, so I guess I was off by one there. He's at high A Cedar Rapids. He's at high A Cedar Rapids. Matt Walner, the pride of Forest Lake. He's at high A Cedar Rapids. So that Cedar Rapids roster is a fun one to keep an eye on. Like if If you're into making a trip, you know, that's a doable drive, very doable drive if you went ahead to Cedar Rapids to watch some of the Twins' top prospects. But, yeah, I don't think it'll be long until a lot of those guys move up the ladder. Like, I would not be shocked if at some point Canarino is getting some double-A innings this year. Although, truth be told, the Twins will be monitoring the workload of all their minor league pitchers. When you think about the goofiness, no minor league season last year, you know, like it's been a while since a lot of these these guys, have, the Twins are closely monitoring all of their minor league pitchers, just like every major league organization. 
But I do think somebody like Canarino can absolutely see some time this year in AA Wichita. AAA Saints, we pretty much knew their option because all the guys were working out at CHS Field. Like Trevor Larnick, we knew he'd be a Saint, and he is. And opening day is Tuesday in Omaha. The St. Paul Saints opening up AAA play Tuesday in Omaha. Six-game series, then the home opener is a week from Tuesday, May 11th. The home opener for the St. Paul Saints. I checked on some Twins potential free agent targets. Jonathan Lucroy, like they could use another catcher, right? But, but nothing. The Twins have not made any inquiries on Jonathan Lucroy. I saw that Anibal Sanchez, the former Twin, has been throwing for some teams. That he'll probably sign with a team soon. No Twins uh, steam on Sanchez. The best free agent available in my mind is Shane Green. Good reliever. He's been throwing a drive line in Seattle. So, like, he's ready to go. He'd probably need a little bit of time at a minor league affiliate just to fully ramp up. But he's close to signing with somebody and, you know, pretty close to helping a major league team. Uh, my sense is, yeah, there's probably a little bit of Twins interest. I think there's a bunch of teams that have at least made the inquiry just to see, hey, is he interested in still pitching? And if so, how's his arm? So they found out, hey, he's pitching in Seattle at line. That, that he does want to pitch, that, that he's in good shape. So the Twins do have that information on Shane Green. On Gophers men's basketball, they are still after big men. The priority is big men, guys that are 6'8 or bigger. Sterling Manley, Steph Mitchell from Shakopee. Although I told you last podcast, I'll reiterate it now, Mitchell is testing the NBA draft waters, at least right now. Why not? Get some feedback. Yeah, ultimately may end up back in college, but why not get some feedback right now? You know, but there's a bunch of guys in that boat, like Nate Reavers from Lakeville North. Now, his dream is Notre Dame. So if he ends up back in college, I would think if Notre Dame wants him, he ends up at Notre Dame, but that's another name. Brandon Johnson, the former Gopher. Ben Johnson has talked to Brandon. Ben Johnson would love Brandon back with the Gophers, but he's going through the NBA pre-draft process too. Why not? Get some feedback. It's, it's not hurtful. Right? Like Booth Gotch went through the pre draft process last year. He had meetings with the Orlando Magic, with the Golden State Warriors. He got feedback. Now, whether, you know, whether he was able to work on what feedback they gave him this past year, that's another topic. But like, why not go through the, the process and get some feedback? Same with Dawson Garcia. But those would all be names. If those guys end up back in college, those would all be names to keep an eye on with Ben Johnson chasing those guys. All right, let's now get to some conversations. Let me begin with Vikings first-round pick Christian Derisaw. I sat down with him at TCO Performance Center on Friday. So the Vikings welcomed media over the weekend. We had to go out there. They have the bioreference lab on their campus. So we all had to go out there, take a COVID test. Obviously, you know, not test positive. Then we were allowed entry into the Vikings facility. So I went out there on Thursday morning for my test. It was hilarious. So when I walk into the trailer, there's one woman there. There was another woman training in, and there was another desk, but there wasn't anybody there. So there was only one woman able to check us in. And so I walk in, about 20 seconds behind me, Vikings owner Mark Wilf. So yes, for about 30 to 45 seconds, he had to wait as the woman checked me in. Then another woman came in. She ran to McDonald's for some breakfast. So when she walked in, Mark was able to go to her table. But I found it pretty funny that Mark Wilf, the Vikings owner, even for just a hot second, had to wait behind me in line to get checked in 
for our COVID tests. But I sat down with Darisaw on Friday. There's some personality there. Like I talked to, and we'll get to this conversation with Brad Cornelson, the Virginia Tech offensive coordinator in a bit. He's like, I don't think Christian's going to raise his hand to do a bunch of media, you know, but, you know, I'm sure there's some personality there around his teammates. Well, guess what? There's some personality there around media types as well. Like he was put through the ringer, right? Like busy Thursday night, flies into Minnesota on Friday. It's a whirlwind, right? Meeting so many people, doing a bunch of different interviews. So like I figured by the time he got to me, he might be pooped out, right? He might be tired. And I only talked to him for about seven minutes or so, but like he was super engaged. You know, we talked a little bit off camera, always was making eye contact, like big time, you know, jump up. And we talk about Riley Reef and pretty much his hatred for us media jackals. I mean, Riley Reef just never wanted to talk to us. We go from Riley Reef to Christian Derisaw from a media standpoint. That is a big time win. So here is my seven minute conversation from Friday with new Vikings left tackle Christian Derisaw. Christian, you've been hit with so many different questions and angles. Let me start with this one. As we get to know you in the coming months, years, hopefully for the next 10 to 12 years, what will surprise us about you? Uh, just like my, my work ethic, for sure. Um, uh, as a student who's like, I'm a student of the game. Uh, I really feel like uh, if you're really not a student of the game, then you really don't love it. Uh, I'm, now my dedication is definitely going to be there. Uh, you're going to see that. I'm going to do everything I, I, in, my, in my will to be out there starting week one. You're one heck of a player, but talking to people that know you, they tell me that you're one heck of a person. Are you a better player or person? Uh, I definitely say person for sure. Um, just like that like that off the field piece and it's like interacting with people. Uh, I definitely feel like I'm, I'm able to do that very well. Um, I really wasn't like a huge like a talker, like a people person uh, growing up like in high school and everything. But like as I started like mature and grow up, uh, I was able to like to adapt to the environment. So like I went into a room with nobody, like I was able to like to make something work and stuff like that. So So you're comfortable in these surroundings? Like when I talked to Coach Cornelson, he's like, I don't know if he's going to raise his hand and do all these media interviews, but you seem very comfortable. Like, around them, they don't they don't feel that way because like around the coaches, I, I ain't doing too much like around them back in Virginia Tech. But like in the locker room and everything, like when I'm with my boys, like, yeah, we we hype, we turn. So like they don't see that side because they're not in the locker room with us, but yeah, for sure, I'm comfortable. When did your NFL dream really truly become a reality? Like, was it sophomore year or was it just the unbelievable year you just had this past year and you said, okay, now I know I can be an NFL player? Yeah, so definitely like at the like um, towards the end of the 2020 season, um, my junior year, uh, I knew like the dream could be a reality here here soon, and just getting like all the feedback from like Coach Fuente. And like just other scouts and everything, um, I definitely knew like I was able to do it now. Like I didn't have to have to stay another year to do this. And it's just like all the hard work and everything that I put in. I knew like now is the moment in the time. Does the cliche the time flies? Is that does that hold true? Like if I told you, if I told you your senior year in high school, fast forward a few years, that you would be a first round pick, that you would be here right now, what would you have told me? I, would, I might have told you, you might have been crazy. Uh, I, like, I, personally, me, I didn't think it was going to happen this fast. Um, like, for me, starting my freshman year, I didn't know that was going to happen, but I was definitely kind of nervous uh, starting versus Florida State. But it's like going out there on that field, like, the coaches ain't going to put you in a bad position in a way. Uh, so just, like, having that trust and the support system behind them and having me out there, 
I knew I was able to accomplish anything. And, and from there, I hit the ground running, and um, the rest is history. So the Vikings schedule this year, two games against Khalil Mack, two games against Smith with the Packers, a game against the Chargers, Bosa, a game against the 49ers, Bosa, the Rams, Donald, and go up and down the list of all the great defensive lines that, that you will see this year. But I presume that, that probably excites you. It definitely does. You want you want to play against the best of the best whenever you got the opportunity to. Um, in college, it was kind of like up and down, but now you're at the highest level with the, the best athletes in the world. So it's like knowing like you're going to be getting good on good every game and just going out there. And so it's like everyone that you're capable of doing it, uh, for sure, is just like a great feeling. So Trent Williams is one guy that, you know, when you flip on YouTube, like maybe that's the guy you type in and, and you watch video of him. Why him? He's nasty. He's a finisher. And I feel like that's what it's going to take to just like be one of the greats in this league. And that's what I want to be. Uh, I don't want to be a guy who, who who's there for four years. I want to be a, a Viking for the next 12 years or however long I'm here for. And just like his 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 game style of play is nasty for sure. Like. He ain't gonna let up on you. He gonna keep that, like your foot on the throttle. So I know like what it's gonna take and what I gotta do to, to make it long in the league. Are you salivating at the thought of, of opening some holes for Dalvin Cook? Oh, definitely. Um, just like the schemes and everything like they run here, uh, like running the ball, it's definitely like a like a dream come true for offensive linemen. Like you want to go straight downhill and attack. So uh, it seems like that. Like you definitely like you kind of get hungry for And get to the second level. I mean, that's one thing that Josh Sitton told me when I said to Josh this morning, I go, you know, they run his own blocking scheme here. He's like, oh yeah, he's going to love that. For sure, I, I definitely love that. Um, Virginia Tech, we ran out a lot. Uh, and we had a great running back in Khalil, Khalil Herbert. And, and he he made something out of nothing at, at times. But when you, had, when you open up a hole for a big running back like that and he sees it and he hits it, it's like, man, like, let's go, let's score. Uh, I've seen a place like that. Did you grow up a Washington football fan or a Ravens fan? Uh, so my mom's from Philadelphia, and I, my, all my cousins and family on her side were there, and just trying to spend like, a lot of time with them. So I got Donovan McNabb, uh, Michael Vick, so I was an Eagles fan. All right, well, but uh, the Vikings play at the Ravens yeah. this year. Right. Will that be like one big homecoming for you? Uh, probably will. My dad lives in Baltimore. So uh, the family is right down the street in Maryland, so it definitely will be a homecoming. What else should we know about you as we tell your story? What else do you want people to know? Uh, I'm a hardworking kid uh, with a tip of my shoulder, and I'm ready to work. What hobbies do you have? Are you a basketball player? Did you wrestle in high school? So I used to be a hooper, but I knew my hoop dreams wasn't, wasn't there, so I wasn't a basketball player or anything like that. Um, I'm starting to get in a little bit of hunting, so I feel like that's probably like my, that's going to be the biggest hobby for me, is hunting. I mean, any animal in particular, like deer hunting? Yeah, or? deer, turkey. Uh, I want to learn how to do duck, too. So we're going to see what happens. Here in Minnesota, like, yeah. perfect spot, right? Hunting, fishing, like, if you're an outdoorsman, yeah. you're in the perfect spot. So, so, I mean, you're just, you're all about football. I mean, like, do you play video games? Like, oh, what, what do you do in your free time? Oh, yeah, definitely play video games. Uh, Madden 2K. Uh, I can't wait to play my play with myself on uh, Madden uh, with this new offense uh, with the Vikings. So. Uh, definitely a, a big video game type of guy. Um, whenever I had a chance to, uh, and really just built my, my faith with uh, Christ and, and uh, God and everything like that. Uh, that's really it. Maybe with this. So Zim said, ten days from now. I mean, is your plan to be here in about ten days with some semblance of a rookie mini camp? Right. Uh, so um, I think it's the twelfth. Uh, we come out here and we start like two days after that rookie mini camp and everything. So 
just ready to get going. I mean, everything happens just so fast, but I suppose this is what you prepared for. Exactly. And it's like just growing up, like you, you knew what it was going to take, and, and like we're here now, ain't no, ain't no running from it. Uh, we, we're just going to keep full steam ahead. Interesting that he's an Eagles fan, but that will be fun. Vikings at Ravens this year. We'll find out what date that game will be on May 12th. So we know the Vikings opponents for this year. We just don't know the dates, like who they'll open up against week one. What are the dates of the Packers games? We'll find all that out on May 12th. May 12th is also the day, you heard Darisaw say, is also the day that guys will report for rookie minicamp and they will be on the field per Darisaw. The Vikings have not made this announcement, but I'll trust what Darisaw told me. They come May 14th, Friday the 14th, right? Yeah, May 14th is a Friday. So. The rookie minicamp would be, what, that Friday, Saturday, Sunday, May 14th to May 16th. Christian Derisaw, Wyatt Davis, and all those guys, including the Iowa wide receiver. He was a Gophers commit for like two seconds, a little bit more than two seconds, like three or four days, then flipped to Iowa. This would have been January of 2017. So P.J. Fleck, shortly after becoming the Gophers coach, secured Smith-Marset's commitment Got Smith-Marset to say, yeah, I want to be a gopher. Then Iowa flipped him like three or four days later. I mean, you talk about that Iowa-Minnesota-Fleck-Ference rivalry. You know, that was almost the start of it, that Iowa stole that verbal commitment from the Gophers early February of 2017. Brad Cornelson is the offensive coordinator for Virginia Tech. So clearly he knows Christian Derrissaw, Derrissaw's game, incredibly well. I caught up with Brad on Friday. Coach, before we get to some of the backstory on Darisaw, just how about the coolness of last night for you guys as a whole? Like I think about coach, I think about the program, the the college program I cover here in Minnesota, right? The university of Minnesota, they see Rashad Bateman go in the first round last night. He was the first gopher to go in the first round in 15 years. Like, we need to go all the way back to Lawrence Maroney in 2006 going to the Patriots. You guys, boom, boom, right back to back, even higher than Bateman went. You guys as a program saw two kids go in the first round. Yeah, it's it's proud. You know, we're like proud parents when that happens. I, twice in the last four years, we've had uh, multiple picks in the first round. So, um, you know. We, we try to give them everything we can and, and help them along the way when they get here and, and develop them in a number of different ways once they're here. And, um, but, man, we're, we're just – you're so proud to see those, those are dreams come true for, for, for all those guys and, and uh, to see those guys when they, when they walk into your program as, as teenagers and, and walk out in that light, it's, it's a pretty neat experience. Let's go sequentially. So take me back to, was it roughly 2016, 2017, maybe right when you first got there, you guys extend the offer to Darisaw, but it's not like he had a whole lot of offers there his senior year of high school. Yeah, and he he went to Fort Union, you know, and there's a uh, Coach Schumann, uh, and his his son is one of our strength coaches, and, and he's, he had been the head coach of that program for a long time and kind of a long history of, of you know, sending players our way. and, and you know, once they go through one semester at Fork Union and they can handle that and, and they kind of get the stamp from Coach Schumann. And so uh, that was that was Christian. And, um, um, you know, 
he, he was not a highly recruited guy, you know. Um, he came in, um, you know, went through that first spring as as kind of the backup left tackle, um, but it, it didn't take long, you know. Um, probably midway, I think, before, into his first fall camp, um, he, he took over the job and he never looked back and there was never any question. Um, he was just, he was kind of one of those guys that could really do anything you asked him to do. I mean, I would imagine that year, I mean, you touched on it briefly, but expound on it. I mean, I would imagine that year at the military academy, like you get through that, like in how many different ways did that help shape him into the person and player he is today? Like I can only imagine how tough that would be one year at a military. Academy. Yeah. And I'll let him answer that. But, but I mean, it, it, uh, it tests those guys, you know, it, it tests them. And, uh, I'm sure creates a little bit of discipline. Uh, you know, I know one, one thing for sure it does. It's, it creates a little appreciation once they get to a place like Virginia tech and, and, you know, knowing the journey that they've come through and, and what it was like at a prep school like that. And, and now here they are to, FBS Division One school. I know there's a level of appreciation to that, and um, but yeah, he, he's uh, you know I I'm assuming you know kind of the toughness that that the things that really stand out to me about Christian that he was always a, such a highly intelligent player, you know. And there's not only did he always know what to do. Even in the tough looks, he knew what to do, who to block. But the football IQ and the savvy of leverage and knowing where the ball's going to go and how the defense is going to react, and you know, seeing something happen one time and then being a step of it, a step ahead of it the next time. Uh, I mean, that was from the very beginning with Christian, and uh, you know, that and his and his and his toughness. I mean, his athleticism, I think, is is kind of a I mean, that speaks for itself. You know, if you're a first-round left tackle, um, obviously there's, there's, there's the elite athleticism for a, a big guy like that. But, but his, his intelligence, his football IQ, and then his, his toughness. I mean, he, he played through a lot of uh, bumps and bruises. And, and, you know, a couple times it would have been pretty easy for him to take a game off here or there. But, but man, he was always a guy that, never really said a word or complained or you would never be able to tell that that he was fighting through something if if you didn't get the training room report and know that he was in there spending extra time trying to get healthy to get practice so. did I read I mean I think it was what his true freshman year 2018 I mean he played through a pretty significant was it an ankle injury and just he never complained did he yeah he, he's he that's just who he is you know he he He's tough, and, and he's fought through, yeah, multiple, um, multiple things like that. But, you know, that's part of that's part of playing ball. That's part of particularly playing that that position up front in the trenches. And and he's certainly wired the way that you want him wired. You touched on his IQ. You touched on his his toughness. Is there a nastiness there too? See one that loves to just finish blocks. Yeah, he's he's got it all. He's got the entire package. I mean, he's. He's his, he's got such incredible hips and leverage, um, a little bit unique to be honest. When he first got here and watching his, um, you know, the the angle of his body, and and at first we thought he was 
playing way too upright, too high. And, and the more we're, we're watching him in practice, uh, he, he was up, upright uh, on the top, but his, he, he can just bend so well. He gets his hips underneath everyone. Um, you know, we, for the last two years, I mean, every time we needed to run a short yardage play, it was going behind him. And that's because he, yeah, he's got the, the nasty streak to go finish off the block and, and move the pile and, and go get those tough yards. Is he a better run blocker or pass blocker? I don't know. I don't, I, like I said, to start with, I mean, there's really nothing he can't do in, in my mind and, and what we asked him to do. And um, he was unbelievable getting out on screens. You know, he could pass protect, he could run block, he could double team, he could pull. Um, He's truly got the full package and, and not just physically the full package, but um, all the things that probably are just as important of, of being a big time pro for a long time, which is intelligence and toughness too. I mean, coach, everything you just laid out now, I get it. You should be admittedly biased, but like, are you surprised he lasted all the way until pick 23? Well, I, I mean, I I don't go study all the left tackles that are coming out, so I, I would have no idea. Uh, just just to I mean, just to be a top, you know, first or second round pick in the NFL draft. I mean, you're talking about the elite of the elite. So, um, I mean, any anything in the first round, I I would consider really unbelievable. So, um, he's I know he's anxious to get to get going, get started. He's been around here. The last few weeks, we've seen him in here working out with the guys, and um, he, he's really excited to go. And we're we're anxious to follow him and, and watch him. Um, he'll be a heck of a pro. The blocking scheme they run here, the zone blocking scheme. So his skill set fits fits very well with what the Vikings do here. Oh, I would guess so. You know, I I, I don't I don't know that offense uh, inside and out, but um, again, it, it's. Uh, whether it's inside outside zone or gap schemes or pulling um, you know we we've done a little bit of all of it but um, there, there's certainly nothing that I would uh, say that doesn't really fit him or what he can do can you put some context behind I saw on I think it was pro football focus one of the websites that that statistically not only did he not allow a sack this past year but technically didn't even allow a, a quarterback hit I mean was that a lot of him was that just the way you used your quarterback and and quick you know release of the ball like just put some context behind those numbers zero when it comes to sacks allowed zero when it comes to to allowing your quarterback to be sure. hit well that i mean it's it's a credit to him um you know there certain offenses sure you can you can protect you know in in the past game you can protect your tackles but uh, no matter what you do, there's there's going to be points in in games in the season that uh, you've got to throw the ball, and the defense knows you got to throw the ball, and they're going to put their best guy back there, and they're going to line him up wide, and he's gonna he's gonna try to jump the snap down, and you just there's no way to avoid that, and uh, um, you know he he was a guy we didn't we never had to feel like we had to put a guy over there to chip to help him, so. I mean, it was it was him on the best pass rusher every week, and and uh, uh, that's just that's 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 what he can do. I hit you with a couple more. So, 
what changed there? So you had a starting left tackle his true freshman year, but then soon thereafter, Christian became your starter. So was there an injury? Was it just performance? Like what, what led you to believe, okay, as a true freshman, hey, Christian, we can put you in there and, and we'll be okay. Yeah. I mean, I don't remember exactly. I know we had two young guys and, and they both played a lot. I know, I mean, I know Christian started the first game that year at left tackle and I, the best I can remember, um, you know, I, I don't think in the spring he won the job, but at some point in fall camp, uh, he, he, he clearly became, you know, the guy that was, we felt like had a chance to be that guy for a long, long time. And it didn't take long. Uh, you know, we went lined up against Florida State, who's always got great athletes coming off the edge. And, um, you know, you go back on Sunday and you watch the film and you realize, okay, that's a true freshman that just started for us against that team and some of those guys. And uh, I think I think we've got one for, for a minute or two. Is Christian a better player or a better person? Oh, he's a great person. I mean, he's, um, you know, like I said before, he's, He's uh, he's a pretty quiet guy, at least, you know, at least in uh, around coaches and that sort of thing. But, um, I mean, he's a great teammate. He's, um, you know, never been in trouble, never been on a list. I mean, he's, he's, he's just kind of a coach's dream of a guy that's smart and tough and a great player and always there, always doing what you want him to do. And, and his teammates love him and, and he's going he's gonna to lay it on the line for, for his players and his coaches. As we get to know Christian, what do you think will surprise us about him? <laughs> I don't know. Like I said, he's he's a pretty quiet guy. That's probably a better question for the uh, you know for the offensive line for his boys in the trenches or or uh, or the offensive line coach. But uh, um, I don't know. He, he he'll be a he'll be a treat to have for you guys. And and uh, he is like I said, he's a he's got a heck of a personality and an intelligent guy. And there's there's certainly a lot more to him than than he lets out. I know that, and and uh, I'm sure you guys will dig it out of him in time. We'll do our best, Coach. Anything you want to leave us with? Anything we didn't hit on? Anything we should know as, as we tell the story of Christian? Well, I think you. I think we covered it there, Darren. I appreciate it, man. Coach, thank you so much. I appreciate it on short notice. Absolutely, no problem. Had fun talking off mic, off camera with Brad about our mutual friend, John Laser, Johnny Laser, my good buddy going back in the day from, from our KFAN days. He is now the radio voice of Virginia Tech Athletics. So Brad knows Lays really, really well. So we had fun getting to, to spin some stories about our mutual friend, John Laser. Let's continue to get to know Christian Darisol. So Josh Sitton, former Packers offensive lineman. He now does some training. He lives in the Pensacola, Florida area. Does some training at Exos in Pensacola. That's where Darisaw did his pre-draft work. Although Darisaw was coming off a minor surgery, but hey, you could argue there's no such thing as a minor surgery. If you're going under the knife, like it's major, right? Anytime you go under the knife, it's major. So there may not be such a thing as a minor surgery. But Darisaw was was rehabbing from from a groin injury surgery, so he didn't do a whole lot on the field. But Josh spent some time with him latter part of Darisaw's time at Exos and spent a lot of time with him in the classroom. So I caught up with Josh to talk about Darisaw. Plus, we talked about Aaron Rodgers, and we even talked about 
the WWE, some of his connections to WWE. Here's my conversation with former Packers offensive lineman, Bears and Dolphins offensive lineman as well, now trainer at Exos in Pensacola, Josh Sitton. Josh, let's just start with background. So Christian comes down to you guys, you being at Exos there in Pensacola. That's how uh, your relationship with the newest Viking, that's how it started to form. Yeah, so I've been training at Exos um, since 2012 myself um, and formed a relationship with those guys. And they asked that when I retired that if I would, you know, want to start training the guys there. And um, this was the first year that I um, that I did it. I took advantage of the opportunity and um, I've loved every minute of it and met Christian probably, I don't know, back in, what are we in, April, so back in February-ish, and I think we did about eight to ten weeks um, with most of the guys, and Christian was there pretty much the whole time. And he was coming off surgery, not a major surgery, but he was rehabbing a groin injury. So, like, how much were you able to do with him? So for the first eight or nine weeks, he wasn't um, doing anything on the field with us, which was uh, which was frustrating, you know, because I want to – get everybody moving and see how everybody does and all that. So um, I would take them in the classroom probably about half the time. Um, and he would be out on the field with us and, you know, holding bags or uh, doing whatever, um, while we were doing drills. Um, so, I re- you know, I got to know him in the classroom setting um, for the most of the time. And then the last week I got one week with just him on the field. And that was when I really got to know him and what he was all about. And um, and I was excited about, uh, I was excited about him. Well, when you say what he's all about, Josh, expound on that. What, what is Christian all about? Well, I couldn't, I couldn't tell for eight or nine weeks because we were just in the classroom, you know, so it's hard to, um, you know, it's hard to put your finger on it, um, just in the classroom. So I was able to see how hard he was willing to work and, um, you know, you get to see the foot speed and you get to see, uh, quickness to the second level and things like that. And it was just him and I. So, you know, I was kind of getting after him a little bit, you know, there's nobody doing any other reps to take time off of him. So, uh, but he never once complained about it. He just kept doing rep after rep after rep. And I was excited to see that. I was really glad to see how hard he was willing to work. And um, he really impressed me that last week that I had with him. Is there a sense that he's, he's got some nastiness to him that, that, he has a certain amount of toughness to him as well. Um, I don't know. I didn't watch a ton of college film with the guys. Uh, um, so I think I ended up probably getting through one and a half to two games with each of them throughout. Um, so I guess I, I don't have that grade on him, but I did. I, I spoke to a, a friend of mine who's a scout. Um, and that was the comment he had on him, that he had a, a little nastiness. So um, from someone else in the business, they, they did say that. So uh, hopefully it does. You, you kind of have to uh, play a lot if it's blind. On the, on the work in the classroom, like I just got off a of Zoom a little bit ago with, with the Virginia Tech offensive coordinator. He was, he was gushing. He was raving about, about Darisaw's football IQ. Did that shine through? Did that stand out to you in in the classroom work that you did with him? Yeah, so it's difficult when you're 
taking seven kids from seven different programs with, you know, it's basically seven different languages. And I'm trying to teach them a whole different language. It's the NFL playbook, which, you know, there's hundreds of versions of, but I'm trying to teach them the basics of the NFL version of the playbook. Um, so it's hard to, it's hard to gauge guys because it's completely foreign. Um, but I'll say with him, he was, uh, he picked up on everything and he was able to retain everything that, that I gave him. And I say from week two to week eight, he made a, a huge jump and I, I was impressed with the ability to retain the information. That's what you look for. You really look for that ability, uh, to retain and not make the same mistake, you know, more than once and, you know, not forget a certain defense more than once or that. That's kind of what I look for. So um, he was able to do those things. So I was impressed. I suppose body-wise, physically, I mean, he just, he jumps out, right? I mean, what, six foot five, 320-ish pounds. The Vikings love those tackles with the long arms. He's got the long arms. Like, I would just think, just looking at him, he screams big-time offensive lineman. Yeah, absolutely. Every physical trait that you want, um, he's got. And, I mean, his... His arms are like, I mean, I was trying to do drills with him. And I, like, I could barely get my hands on him because his arms are so long. Um, so, yeah, he's definitely got the, the uh, physical attributes. And some that he didn't look really fast when he was running. You know, I didn't watch his pro day or if he did any of that, those drills. But when I was watching him uh, that week, I was like, man, he's not, he doesn't look fast. But then I started kind of gauging the time it was taking him to get to me. And I was like, damn, he's actually really fast. He was moving. He just has a really big stride. And, um, you know, I could feel that speed. And um, I was really impressed with his ability, like, to get to the second level and things like that because of that big stride. A happy-go-lucky young man. Like, every time he showed up at, at Exos, like, big smile on his face. And, and even, you know, fighting through that adversity coming off the surgery, like, the work ethic was elite. It was there. Like, he couldn't wait to get back to be able to do everything that, that – I bet you guys did there that little, last week. I think he was a little bit uh, down about not being able to get on the field for those first eight weeks or whatever. Um, so, and I could tell he was definitely excited to be on the field with me that last week. Um, he even texted me, like, personally outside of the our group text that I have with the guys and, like, out, outside of the Exos folks um, and was making sure that, that our times were synced up and he was syncing up his time because he had different interviews and uh, rehab. Um, so our schedules were kind of up and down and he was like making sure that, that we were getting that time on the field with him. So I feel like he, he felt like he missed out on um, those first eight weeks. So yeah, he was definitely excited to, to get on the field for sure. As you were watching last night, I mean, did it surprise you that he lasted all the way to pick 23? I don't know. That's, that's above my pay grade. <laughs> I don't know. You know, when I when I read about these kids and get to know them and get you know, I I should I have my ideas, but there's guys that are getting paid that are doing this twenty four seven every single day of the year, and that's this is what they do, and those that's why they're sitting in that room, and I'm sitting here at the house. <laughs> Did you have any dialogue with anybody with the Vikings? Did anybody with the Vikings reach out to you to pick your brain? No, and when I saw the pick, I was. Um, I was thinking, I was like, dang, I didn't talk to anybody over there. Um, but I, I mean, I definitely talked to, I don't know, six to 10 different, you know, scouts or coaches or whatever throughout the 
process once I found out I was um, training with some of these guys. Um, but I don't, I don't think anybody with the Vikings. The Vikings run a zone blocking scheme. From what you know of Christian, I mean, his skill set translates well to, to the zone blocking scheme they run here. Yeah, I think so. And actually, that's what I was. I kind of um, had that thought in my head as I was training with him that one week. I was telling about the his ability to get to the second level, um, and you know, obviously, I'm I'm out there as his linebacker, so it's a little bit different, but. From what I saw, his ability to get the second level and make the cutoffs on the backside and his speed um, and the ability to – you got to be able to get that first first foot in the ground when you're reaching somebody on his own block. you got to be able to haul butt off the line of scrimmage. And those things, um, they stood out to me. So I was, I was hoping he ended up in a system like that. Anything about Christian that will surprise us? I mean, Josh, as you got to know him for, for nine or ten weeks, you certainly got to know him, you know pretty much on an intimate level as we get to know him here in Minnesota. Do you think anything about him will surprise us? No, I mean, he's, he's a, uh, he's a good kid. And, um, you know, he's not the loud boisterous guy. Uh, he'll never be that in the locker room. Um, so, you know, don't, I wouldn't anticipate him, you know, lining up to do media sessions and loving it all the time, but um, you know, you know, those, those guys. So, uh, but he's a he's a great kid. I'm excited for him. Um, you know, I told the, all of them. I said, guys, it's not where you where you start, you know, in this process or where you end up or whatever. It's what you do after that. And um, you know, hopefully, he's going to take full advantage of that opportunity. And uh, you know, he's he's pretty lucky. He gets to go block for a pretty damn good running back. Yeah, Dalvin Cook is as good as it gets. I suppose when you say that, Josh. That message surely has to resonate with not only Christian, but all the guys that you were working with. I mean, you're a prime example, right? It's not like you were a top 10 pick, right? You know, you just yeah. worked your butt off and, and you know, you'll win a Super Bowl with Green Bay and, and you have one hell of a run in the National Football League. Yeah. And, you know, that was the message I was trying to get to him. And, you know, I used myself as, as an example because that's um, what I know the best, obviously. And, um, I, you know, I hope it resonates with them because um, I uh, I loved all those kids individually, and I hope you know the best for all of them. So I mean, I was actually this is the first time since I retired that I was like genuinely excited to watch the draft. So um, it'll be fun, you know, moving forward in the next couple of days to be able to watch the, the rest of the kids and see where they end up. Although the crazy part last night was somebody you know well, Aaron Rodgers. Like the Aaron storyline was dominating the day and, and part of the night. Yeah, it's funny. I saw um, Schefter this morning saying that, you know, the timing was just kind of coincidental and whatever. And I'm thinking, I don't know, I'm pretty sure y'all ran that story during the draft. So it would blow up, you know, and, uh, and it did. It was a, you know, it's a great story. And um, it's, it's very intriguing, even, even for me, someone that, you know, knows the organization really well, knows Aaron really well, knows the dynamics and, and things. It's fun to watch from uh, outsider perspective and, and try and, um, you know, kind of try and figure out what's going on from the outside. And it's, it's been fun to watch. So I'm, I'm glad they were in the story when they did. I saw a fascinating note. So Bart Starr, 16 years as the Packers quarterback. Brett Favre, 16 years as the Packers quarterback. Aaron Rodgers, 16 years as the Packers quarterback. Now, who knows? Maybe there is a year 17. We'll see how this, how this situation plays out. But I just, that to me was fascinating. The star Favre Rogers connection. 
It's um, it's pretty unbelievable what they've been able to do at, at the quarterback position. And, uh, you know, there's a reason there's uh, that many championships over there and, and that many Super Bowls. Uh, you know, they've just done unbelievably well at picking that position. Um, and obviously the, you know, 80s or 70s or whatever, there was a, a little a little dip, but um, it's a uh, it's a pretty, pretty dang good organization. Uh, you know, my opinion, the best in the in the league and from how they do things. So um, they've, they've done a pretty darn good job. But yeah, it'll be interesting to watch what uh, what happens going forward. So I suppose with your bias, I mean, you hope that maybe everything works out with Aaron, that Aaron can play a 17th year with Green Bay. I mean, considering how close they came to winning the NFC, that, that in your mind, hopefully they can just run this thing back through and make another run this upcoming season? I mean, I... I Whatever happens is going to happen, and it's going to be it's going to be fun to watch either way. You know, those storylines will be be fun whether he ends up leaving or whether he ends up staying. Um, I've been cheering for them to go get another Super Bowl. I, I mean, I, they were my pick early on last year, and I was really really excited about that team. And I think it was probably the best team that's been in Green Bay since my, my 2014 team. Uh, when we were extremely good and so uh, they still got the pretty much the same team so um you know if he does come back i really hope that they can go uh go win one um and beat up on the vikings a little bit (laughs) on the vikings what was it like so maybe more specifically preparing for a mike zimmer defense so zimmer comes here in 14 so you're in green bay what 14 15 16 you transition to chicago so you would have played the vikings twice in chicago right was that 17 and 18? So, like, you prepared – my years might be a little off, Josh, but you prepared for a Mike Zimmer defense often. What was that like preparing for a Mike Zimmer defense? Yeah, so we actually played Cincinnati in, I think, um, in 13. So we played him um, – I played him 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17. Um, and it sucked. <laughs> uh, it, it's – I mean, it really did suck. You know, when they started doing the – the double mug package and you know he started doing that really heavily in cincinnati um just to be quite honest we, our heads were kind of spinning with the decisions that we're trying to make on the line of scrimmage and what the quarterback is trying to, uh, to tell us to do and um it was it was it was fun man it was a great battle and he's he is unbelievable and um definitely one of the toughest defenses to prepare for um, mentally, and then, you know, obviously physically, you bring in the guys that can do it. It's one thing. And but mentally, it was it was exhausting. <laughs> when you say one of the toughest, so who else, like, ranks right up there? So if, if a Zim defense is near the top of the list, like, who else is in your top three or four? I, I mean, you know, back when – back in the day with the Steelers, um, you know, we obviously didn't play them very much, but – um, I remember playing him in 09 and then we played him in the Super Bowl and that was like trying to prepare for like three or four different defenses at once, you know, with everything that they had going on. And the that defense kind of got more popularized in the past, um, you know, 12 to 15 years. So it's kind of more standard now. Um, but it was kind of exotic at the time. Not exotic, it's probably the wrong word, but it's it was um, – it was difficult, you know, so Dick LeBeau is, is definitely up there. Um, you know, Dom Capers came from that tree and uh, kind of brought that to Green Bay. And so we got to see it all the time in, um, 
you know, in training camp, which helped us in our uh, abilities against Pittsburgh in, in the Super Bowl. But that, that defense was very, very difficult to prepare for. I'll leave you with this. Did I read correctly that, that you and Roman Reigns played high school football together? Do you still remain in contact with him? Like he, speaking of the Vikings, he was, he was a Viking for a hot second. Like he was in camp with the Vikings for, for a brief period. Yeah, we, uh, let's see, he played two years at my high school, my first two years, um, and then ended up transferring to another school. Um, but yeah, actually, I know him, know him pretty well. I mean, I, we don't see each other often or anything. Um, he's out traveling the world, uh, jumping on tables and stuff for a living and breaking elbows. So, um, but yeah, we're, we're in contact and um, him and the, um, the Fatu brothers who are the, well, I don't know their name in the wrestling. I, I'm, it's slipping me, but um, they went to school with us as well. So big, big wrestling community. They would, his dad was, uh, or his uncle, their dad was Rikishi, and mm. he would come to our JV football games, and there'd be like 400 people at this JV football game, and all like surrounded back around this guy. I'm like, what? Like nobody cares about the game. Like, what's going on up here? And I was like, oh, it's it's that guy. Okay, that's cool. So yeah, those are all uh, all great people. So it, it was uh, it was fun going to school with those guys. Oh, that's fantastic. Who who were the other guys that you worked with there then in in in, in the Exos camp, those 10 weeks, like how many guys will you see get drafted, whether it's tonight or, or sometime tomorrow? Um, I think I had seven guys. Um, uh, Jimmy Morrissey from Pitt. Um, Coyote, uh, I can't pronounce his last name, from uh, Buffalo. Um, Walker Little from uh, Stanford. Mike Manette from uh, Penn State. Um, Jalen Mayfield from Michigan, and I think that's it. I'm missing somebody. Hopefully they don't see that. I mean, that's that's one heck of a list, though, like just jumping out to me. I mean, here in Big Ten country, you know, Mayfield's really good. I've read a lot of good things about the Stanford kids. So, I mean, you got to work with a bunch of really talented dudes. Yeah, a few of those guys will probably get taken today, um, and then a couple of them will be uh, taken, uh, sprinkled kind of throughout uh, tomorrow. But they're all great guys, and I'm, I'm excited to get to watch the draft and get to watch their career. So it's pretty cool. Josh, thank you. Enjoy tonight. Enjoy tomorrow. I appreciate you doing this on, on short notice. Yeah, absolutely, man. No problem. I appreciate it. I forgot to ask Josh. I think it was 17 or 18. Years start to blend together when you get into your 40s. I think it was 18. It would have been March of 2018 that the Vikings had free agent interest in Josh Sitton, that there might have been a possibility of Josh Sitton ending up here in Minnesota. And I forgot to ask him about that. My bad on that. But I appreciate Josh Sitton's time. All right, let's wrap up Scoop Podcast episode 348 with my conversation with Matthew Hurt, former Rochester John Marshall high school star, former Duke star. Heck, was one of the best players in the ACC, was certainly in the mix to be ACC Player of the Year this past year. He is now entering the NBA draft. He is all in on entering the NBA. There is no going back. He is not maintaining his college eligibility. Here's my conversation from the other day with Matthew Hurt. Matthew, good to see you. Congratulations on all your success. Easy decision. 
or a hard decision to enter the NBA draft? Uh, I would say it was a hard decision uh, just because, you know, I haven't played in the uh, NCAA tournament game yet, especially. And then my, my teammates, my coaches, I, I, lo- I love all of them. Just, just being, being on campus, being at Duke, you know, Duke's such a, a great school, both on and off the court. So for sure, it, it was a hard choice, but I think, uh, I think I'm making the best choice for me. Why is it the best choice for you? Why do you feel like your game is now ready for the NBA? Yeah, um, I feel like I feel like I've shown uh, a lot on the offensive end, but I know that I I have a lot of work to do on the defensive end, and you know I'm just gonna keep working that keep working on that every single day, especially this offseason. I'm really gonna hound on you know the, the defense, you know, watching a lot of film. So I feel like uh, I, I'm only gonna get better. Um, so you know, you know, being in the NBA, I think just being able to focus just on basketball, I think it's really gonna help me. Yeah, I mean, I think your game is tailor made. I mean with more spacing in the NBA, the way you shoot the ball? Like, is there something to be said about maybe your game is actually better suited for, for the NBA as opposed to playing a third year of college? Yeah, for sure. You know, like you said, the NBA is a lot of space and, you know, college is more, you know, more defensive related. So I feel, I feel like, you know, I, I fit into the, the new games NBA and I'm just excited to just have the opportunity to, to might be, to might get drafted. So I'm, I'm not taking anything for granted and I'm just blessed to be in this position right now. Matthew, how has your game evolved the last couple of years now? Clearly, you guys were on national TV a lot, so I, others, saw a lot of you play, but it's not like I was watching every single Duke game. So, like, from, from when you left John Marshall, from your last high school game until now, how has your game evolved? Yeah, it's changed a lot, uh, especially, you know, my freshman year didn't, didn't go how I planned it, but... Uh, you know, I had a lot of walls, but I feel like just put, put in the work in the offseason and just, just growing a lot of confidence. But, I, I, yeah, I feel like my, my game has changed a lot, uh, just overall everything. So I feel like I'm a totally different player than I was in high school, and I'm, I'm only going to get better. So I'm just excited for the future. I mean, was the real growth after you hit those walls your freshman year, the work you put in between freshman year and sophomore year? Yeah, for sure. You know, hitting those walls, you know, uh, for me personally, I've never had hit those walls before in my life, so I, I just had to look back at it, and uh, I didn't want to happen to again. So you know, I just put my head down and worked every single day. And, and during quarantine, I was lucky enough to get in a gym in the weight room, uh, so I was blessed with that. And I, I feel like the results shown. But uh, like I said, I have a lot, I have a lot more work to do, and I'm just excited for it. How grateful are you that you have an older brother, you know, that can put you through the ringer pretty good? That your dad is so involved? That you have such a great support system around you? Yeah, I mean, starting with my dad, my dad and my brother. Uh, you know, my brother was was actually in town with me la- last quarantine, so he he helped me a lot with workouts, with you know, just just telling me how, how to be better. And you know, he he watched a lot of film on my freshman year, and you know, showed me some things that I, like I've done good and and how and how I can improve. And then you know, my dad's been great to me. I mean, he you know he, he's been he's been my resource for my whole life. You know, he's. You know, he's one of the, he's my, the most important to me um, just because, you know, he's always there for me, even when I have bad games and uh, even when I have good games. So I'm just I'm just so grateful for my, my whole family, my sister included, my mom included. So my other my friends and family. So I'm just I'm just blessed for all of them uh, because all I do is support me. So, so I'm, I'm, I'm really happy. You mentioned not being able to play in the NCAA tournament. How much does that just eat at you? Yeah, you know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to live with me for. For my rest of my life, especially, you know, two years, you know, went to Duke, you know, Duke's like made, made a tournament every single year and, you know, not being able to just have the opportunity, opportunity to play at that level uh, really hurts me. And that's going to sting. 
and that's that's gonna give me motivation just to just to, just to keep getting better with me and then especially our team uh, coming back next year. I mean, in particular, just how about the way this past season ended, right? With with COVID shutting you guys down. Yeah, you know, it, it was heartbreaking. You know, last two years, you know, um, that we couldn't play because of COVID. But I feel like if we if we had the opportunity to play in the NCAA tournament, I, I feel like we could have made a noise. But I mean, this whole year was, you know. What wasn't good for us wasn't well, but I feel like it's a it's a learning experience for sure, especially for me and then my teammates going back to Duke. So it, it, it's it's only going to help us just to get us more more motivated for workouts in the summer and just 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 to get better. Even minus the NCAA tournament experience, as you look back in hindsight, going to Duke and heck, I was I was in your high school auditorium the day you announced that you would be a Duke Blue Devil. Like as you look back, going to Duke, the best decision you could have ever made. Uh, yes, for sure. I mean, I went to do, you know, just trying to be the best basketball player, but I came out being a better person overall, especially off the court. You know, I, I learned so many things off the court, whether it's learning from Coach K, whether it's learning from the coaching staff, whether it's be, being around great teammates like like I had and just, just being around a great environment at Duke University down in North Carolina. So I feel like overall I've grown as a person and, I, and, I, and I've totally changed since uh, high school. Expound on what it's like to play for Coach K just to be in, in his presence. Yeah, for sure. You know, he, he is the greatest of all time, in my opinion, just because how, how he attacks every single day. You know, he, he doesn't take a, a day off and is, is always fired up about getting better and just, just learning. So I feel like playing for him and learning under him really helped my game, especially because, you know, he's, he's, he's taught me a lot of things that I really wasn't thinking about in high school. So Playing, playing for him was was a blessing, and you know I wish I wish I could have played for him more, but that's how God works. It's all gonna happen here pretty fast. I mean, like how much of this is 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 a dream about to come true? That that the NBA has been on your radar for a long time. You're right. I mean, you've had the spotlight on you big time since what about eighth grade? I mean, for many many years, and now that dream, all that talk, going back so many years, Matthew hurt to the NBA is on the cusp of, of becoming reality. Yeah, I mean, growing up, I've, I've always wanted to play in the NBA, and I feel, I feel like that was the goal of mine. And, you know, a couple months, hopefully I, I, get, I get to check that off. But I'm just, I'm, just, I'm just blessed to be in this position, you know, with all the trainers, with all the teachers back in high school, back in college, really helped me be the person I am today. So uh, in this, I'm, I'm in this position because of them. Um, so I, I'm just going to keep working, and I'm really excited for what's to come. What will the next few months look like? I mean, next thing you know, I mean, we're sitting here in late April. I mean, late July is the draft. Like, you'll know where you're going here in like three months. So, like, what will the next three months look like from from your standpoint? Yeah, so I'm in Rochester right now, um, and then I'm, I'm flying out to California on su- Sunday, May second, uh, and then after that, it's just it's just gonna be working out from you know May second to, to to the draft. So I feel like. Just being able to to get in the gym and get in the weight room, working on you know my lateral quickness, uh, my my conditioning, and all that, it's really gonna help me for these next six weeks. So I feel like just just doing that's really gonna help help me, and um, hope, hopefully I'll, I'll be uh, ready to go by summer league in August. When you say go out to California, will that be P three sports science? Uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna start off there, but uh, for the first couple of days, and then I'm going down to Irvine. Um, you know my my agency, my my agent has, is like the president. It's called Rep One. Uh, and they're they're based out of uh, Irvine, California. So they have a facility there, uh, uh, practice gyms, uh, you know, weights, uh, 
like a terse personal chef. So they have everything for me. So, you know, I, I have a great agent. I'm just uh, getting uh, just ready to work. Is your agent then Kevin Bradbury, who also represents Tyus Jones, Trey Jones, Daniel Oturu, and others? Yeah, yeah, it, it is Kevin Bradbury. So he, he, he's a good dude, and, you know, I, I trust him a lot. You know, I, I've, been, I've been talking to him for a while, so I feel like he's going he's gonna to help me get to that, uh, that next step. Yeah, I mean, Kevin is A+, plus, right? Like, when you think about just good guys, right? Like, you have a really good guy helping guide you. Uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, the conversation that I've had with him has has always been great. I mean, now now I can lean on him more because you know uh, I I signed with him, so I feel like just just being just being able to know him a lot better is is really gonna help. I mean, you know, I've heard from Trey, Tyus, Dan that he's a great person, great dude. So I'm just excited uh, to to join uh, Rep One. I hit you with two more questions. What is it about the the Minnesota Duke pipeline? I mean, you're leaving, but Theo John is now on his way to Duke. I talked to Theo, actually, Matthew, earlier this week. I mean, he just, he struck me as, as and rightfully so, like he's uber pumped up. He can't wait to get down there. Yeah. Um, I mean, I mean, um, Duke has had a good uh, Minnesota connection in, in the last couple of years, starting with like Tyus. Um, but overall, you know, I think, I mean, Duke, Duke's a great school. So, I mean, it, it's intriguing, you know, so, all the top prospects from uh, uh from Minnesota, but you know I think I think Theo's gonna Theo's gonna do great there. I mean you know he was great at Marquette, um and like he's gonna come in and be a physical presence for us, and I'm just I'm just excited to him excited for him because he's gonna because he's gonna learn from the best the best. So I think just for that he's gonna uh, Coach K's gonna take him to a, another level as a player. Did he lean on you at all for for advice? I mean everything happened really fast on his front. Uh, no, but you know, we talked after, after he committed, cause I know, uh, one of our assistant coaches at Duke was a Marquette assistant there. And I, and I, I think that how it went down, but you know, I, I'm really excited for him. I'm not, I'm not, I've known he's a great player since early high school. So, you know, I've been playing against him, you know, he was, he was, he was always good, great, great player. So, you know, I'm just excited for him and, he, and he, he's going to do great things at Duke. I'll leave you with this. Just how happy are you for, for Ben Johnson? I mean, your older brother knows Ben really well. I mean, you guys as a family know Ben really well that, that Ben is now the Gophers head coach. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, Ben was was recruiting me uh, when he was still at Minnesota and then he left and went to Xavier and he was actually still recruiting me there. You know, he's a great dude. Great dude. Um I feel like I feel like he's gonna he's gonna get more players there, especially especially in Minnesota, because I know he's gonna start recruiting in state kids and you know if if, if I was though if I were those people I would I would very seriously consider it. Um to be honest if if, if he was still at Minnesota, I would uh, really think about Minnesota uh, when I was in high school. He's a great dude. He's, he's going to do great things there. He's going he's, he's gonna to get a lot of top recruits, and I'm just excited for that university and that uh, program in general. I'll leave you with this, Matthew, as we tell your pre-draft story here. Anything you want to leave us with? Anything that we didn't hit on? Uh, no, nah, not from what I know. I mean, just overall, just general excitement, like even though – we're still living in this weird world, right? We're still kind of getting through this pandemic, even though more and more people on a daily basis are being vaccinated. Hopefully at some point the pandemic is in our rear view mirror, but just overall excitement as, as, as the next chapter of your basketball, you know, book is, is written here pretty quick. Yeah. You know, I'm excited. You know, I've, I've been playing for a, for a long time now and, you know, I'm, I'm at like the highest stage, but I mean, really, the, really the work is just getting started and I'm just excited, you know, I know, I know there's, there's a lot of Minnesota players in the NBA, so, you know, I, you know they'll, they'll help me out they'll, and I'll lean on them with a lot of advice, especially. But overall, I'm just I'm just really excited. I'm, I'm blessed to be here. Um, you know, 
the, the people that put work in with me, you know, I, I appreciate them every, every single day, every hour that we work together. So overall, I'm just, I'm just really excited. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to start the new chapter. Matthew, good to see you. I'm glad that you're safe. I'm glad that you're well. Tell your dad all the best, okay? Thank you. I appreciate it. I will say this. I mean, you can nitpick Matthew's game. He can shoot it. And every NBA team, think about the Wolves. Like, they need shooting, right? So many teams need shooting help. Yeah, he needs to get stronger. He's gotten stronger, but he needs to even get a bit stronger. Yeah, the defense needs work, maybe a lot of work. But that shooting can absolutely translate to the NBA. The late Flip Saunders always used to tell me, when you draft a guy, he better have one definitive NBA skill, like right off the bat. Well, Matthew Hurt has it. His shooting absolutely can play in the NBA. So we wish Matthew Hurt nothing but the best. I also think he's being genuine when he says if Ben Johnson was the Gophers coach when he was coming out of high school, that he would have thought about them long and hard. Like, I just don't, I'm just telling you this, I don't think Matthew Hurt was ever playing for Richard Pitino. Now, when Duke offers you, like, it's hard to turn down Duke, right? So he may have always ended up playing for Mike Krzyzewski at Duke. But I do think he would have thought long and hard about the Gophers if Ben Johnson was the head coach. I know Matthew Hurt was being genuine when he talked about uh, Ben Johnson there and, and, you know, what he, his family, think of Ben Johnson. All right, we are done on this Sunday morning, the 2nd of May, the year 2021. Always appreciate you listening. This has been Scoop Podcast episode 348. Stay safe, stay sane.